With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your boy 3K, another episode of Tertiary Radio, being joined by two of the best, two of the best Rams fans, two of the best Rams bloggers, two of the best American adult males in the business from Seattle, Washington. We got Robbo, Seattle Rams. What's going on, man? What's going on, Big Joe? I'm enjoying life. And obviously from Los Angeles, California, come back to us, Big Joey O, Joey O'Coin. What's up, man? What's going on, jerks? I like it. (laughs) Hey, jerks. I do. Joey's got the best uh, punchline of them all. The the inside joke. Hey, jerks! Old jerks. Jerks. Old jerks. Well, gentlemen, um, it's the end of May. Happy. I know we're not into summer officially, but we're past the Memorial Day weekend, which means we're into summer unofficially. So we're uh, we're gonna count it. It counts as summer to me. And that's all that really matters when it comes to Tertiary Radio. Uh, so what's going on with you? Uh, let's start with Rob. I know there was a certain movie that came out that you wanted to talk about and not do any spoilers of because I haven't seen it yet. What movie might that be? Uh, Beaches. Beaches. Oh, man, don't spoil Beaches for me. She lives, right? She, uh, right? she lives? Tell me she makes it. It's definitely not Infinity War because that's a superhero movie, and I don't do those as well, no. Um, and I'm like, bring your hate at Rams underscore NFL on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, but if it's a superhero movie, I'm not going to watch it. And my theory behind that is they're all the same. Bad stuff happens. They have to go out and destroy an entire city, and everybody's happy at the end. And I just, I just can't do it. But I did go, uh, I did go check out Solo on, on Thursday night because uh, I, I'm an idiot. And I wanted to, you know, I, I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't a big fan of Ron Howard leading up to it. And I just had just had a really low uh, expectation set for this thing. And I came away kind of pleasantly surprised. I thought, all right, that wasn't completely terrible. And it was almost, it was kind of fun. And remind no me, were you, were you a Last Jedi liker or a Last Jedi hater? You were a hater. hater you? you were a hater. hater. I, so. I, I actually I walked out of that. I walked out of that film mad. You um, did. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I I'm, so. a, I'm a I'm an old guy. I'm an old Star Wars guy. I saw the original in the theater 32 times. I used to Yikes. go collect pop bottles. Yikes. You know, back in the day, for the, your kids didn't know this, you'd, you'd collect glass bottles, and you could turn them in for a dime and get the uh, the deposit back. So I go through and just find these bottles, and then you know ride your bike down and go see a, a matinee. So I've seen that thing. I'm a big Star Wars for a long time. Yeah, I hated last year. I hated it with a passion. Solo. Uh, How many fun. times have you seen it, Robbo? 
What's that? Last Jedi. Yeah. How many times have you seen that? One time was more than enough. <laughs> Got it. Rude. Rude. <laughs> Got it. Joey, have you seen Solo yet? I, I, I did. I saw it. But I want to say one quick thing about Last Jedi real quick. Okay. I think that once Robbo has seen this movie over time, I think it's going to take He's a while because it. I think – it's going to take there's, a long there's while. There's actually a great podcast. There's a great podcast on uh, that David Chang does on the Ringer Network right now. And he, he was talking about yeah. just criticism, and Ryan, John, Ryan Johnson was interviewed, and they're talking about, uh, you know, just like restaurant criticism and like film criticism, and, and, and a lot of like take food or like a doing like even just like Italian food. There's certain things people go, this needs to be in the pizza, and if you change it too much, people get mad. But if you don't change it enough, it's boring. Sure. And I think with the Last Jedi. I'm a huge fan. I think it's the best Star Wars movie. And I think what's going to happen, I totally could be wrong, but I think what's going to happen is once people get over the fact that it's not what they wanted, I think they'll realize how good it is. But that's just that's just my little take on that. But uh, I'm going to tell you right now, from, so as a Rams fan, uh, The Last Jedi is the, are the chargers of Star Wars <laughs> movies. Fight for Star Wars. Hashtag well, fight for Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but but you know, I uh, I thought I thought Solo was I thought Solo was fine. I I thought it was it, it was fun. You know, with the people with it was interesting. You know, people brought up the idea of like, you know, what was the point? Like, why did they tell the no spoilers. story? Like, no spoilers. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just the idea of even just the way of marketing. It's, it's like. Okay. Is this something that we really needed? And I and I think one of the funny ways, and this is not a spoiler, is that the movie felt like the first ten minutes of Indiana Jones and the Last Jones, and you learn all the things that made him who he is all in an right. afternoon. You know, like it was yeah. like, oh, he found things next, and he, and, he, and he cut his chin, and you know, all this stuff, and you're just like, okay, this is like cute and fun, but it's like kind of ridiculous. And I feel like that's what Solo is, but like an entire movie. You know, like, I think that that seems to be the criticism is is that, like, do we really need to know, like, all these little, like, oh, here's how we did this, and here's how this happened, here's how this happened. Some people like yeah, that, some people don't, don't. but I was, I was fine with it. I mean, I, I wasn't mad at it. No, the answer to the question is, no, you don't. You don't need to know any of that. But it was fun. I was actually came away from, from that movie uh, looking more forward to, like, a Lando movie. I thought he was, uh, Donald Glover played a great character, and I'm looking forward to some of that. But, uh, yeah, you don't need to tell that story. I mean... You could have just not done it. We would have been fine as well. Fair enough. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Speaking of I, movies, I was the guy. Real quick. I think no, go ahead, Joey. Well, I was just going to ask you is real quick is, do you guys have a de facto just, you know, best football movie coming to Zimbabwe that you like, that's the best one? Ooh. No. Because baseball movies, they make a bunch of them. But I feel yeah. like football movies, there's like North Dallas 40 – that's, that's like I'm, an, old one. I'm an old original Longest Yard guy. Again, I'm old. Yeah, Longest Yard's yeah. fun. Yeah. Longest Yard, not the that, reboot, yep. but the original was good. I could watch that over and over and over. That's probably probably my go to. Um, I think what the, about any the, given Sunday? No. 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 What's the one fun. that uh kind of ridiculous. The Wayne it's brothers too ridiculous. Did. A guy loses an eye in the middle of the fucking game. Like what yeah. is no. that? Yep. But I also think that's exactly the Hollywood version of football. It, it's not that there's a that there hasn't been a good movie. It's that Hollywood, Hollywood can't do football. Hollywood can do baseball because baseball is not about the yep. sport. 
right? The, like, right. Yeah. To me, yeah. I still think the perfect baseball movie is Field of Dreams because it's not about baseball. Yep. It's about a man right. and his dad, and baseball yeah, is a contact. Exactly. Yeah. Foot, football, yep. and, and, I, and don't get me wrong, there are guys who experience football with their dads, but football is almost like an Oedipal sport where baseball is the sport that you share with your dad. Football is the sport that makes you want to kill your dad and replace him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was excellent. A strong statement. Uh, like what was the, OTA? It was a football movie about <laughs> Kathy Ireland. She was a kicker. Oh, necessary roughness. Come on, man. That's, as a North that's Texas the best grad, Kathy as, as, Come on, as a North Texas grad, the location of the filming. I think uh, I may be the authoritative source on the internet. I I, I know it well. I've been to every single. Uh, Exterior that they used for that uh, film at the University yep. of North yeah. Texas. I'm a big fan. Kathia, I'm a Scott, Scott Ireland and Bacula and uh, Sinbad, right? So I mean, Scott Bacula, Sinbad, Hector Elizondo. Um, gosh, they, they, oh, I'm a fan. <laughs> I told you, you guys stepped on a landmine here. You're, you're dealing with the necessary rub to set matter expert. You got, oh, Robert Logan. Robert Logan. Larry Miller. Larry Miller plays the um, uh, the dean of the school, and obviously Rob Schneider. Uh, plays the uh, right. yeah. yeah. Jason Bateman is on the football team. Yeah, that's a good cast. That's a that's a fine movie and a yeah. fine representation of the University of North Texas. Glad they <laughs> put that one out. Oh, one one it. little aside. One little aside before we get to football. You mentioned David Chang. Have you been to Major Domo yet, Joey? I have, and I loved it. I, it was probably one of the best restaurants that I've been to in a long time. I I was I was kind of blown away. I am I'm like I'm a huge Bill Simmons guy, so he was talking it up on his podcast. And he's like, I went to it three times in one week. And I was like, all right, like, what's going on? Like, I need to, you know, look, look this up. And so it, I, I booked up a reservation probably like four weeks in advance. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went like a group of four. It's kind of in this, like, random area that's just warehouses. And it, it just feels like you're like, are we going to die? Like, is this going to turn into, like, a scene from the Warriors? Like, it just that's, a, really, that's exactly where David like, King likes to make his restaurants. Like, wait a second. Where is the place that looks yeah. like murder? This is where I'm putting yeah. my flagship. And then when you go in, it's like beautiful and amazing, and just it's like yeah. big kind of open warehousey space. And it was it was right like every dish that we got, like we all kind of looked at each other, and were like, well, that was the best snap peas that I've ever had. Sure, you know, like it was it was just it was kind of like everything checked the list. So I, I was I was. Uh, I definitely would go back there, but it's it's definitely the type of restaurant where you have to go with people that know that you're not just going to get your own dish. You, you basically order like ten things, and everybody just shares and kind of pass around. So it's kind of like almost like tapas, but more of a generous portions. You know, it's a better better review <laughs> than a. Whoever it was that gave that review that pissed off uh, Chang. So I'll make sure that he sees oh, it. Oh, John, John is a goal for it. Yeah, that's who it was. Personal relationships yeah, to it. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Because uh, uh, football-wise, now that we're into summer, uh, there's not yep. a lot. And that's kind of what we have to deal with. It's very there thin. Are, there are a lot of injuries. Oh, Rob. Rob. Rob's going to be that guy who makes all the shitty segues, like we, when we get to the preseason. Yay, it's the preseason. Yay, that. My grandmother died. Oh, Rob. Rob. <laughs> Come on, man. There's other ways to get it. Yes, there have been a lot of injuries. We had Morgan Fox went down with our first season-ending injury of the year. Remember, we had a couple last year. We had Dominique Easley in camp. 
Was it in camp or in OTAs? I don't remember, but it was before. It wasn't in game action. Then we lost tight end to Merrick Hemingway in game action in the preseason. So we've got our first uh, of 2018. That's kind of like the Memorial Day of the calendar. Once you get to Memorial Day, it's the unofficial beginning of summer. Once you get your team's first ACL injury, it's the beginning of the season. And here we yeah, go. That's go time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, now it's serious. Let's buckle now. Uh, Ogbenaya Okoronkwo had the broken foot before we got into OTAs. He actually suffered into Phase 2. We had heard about that a little early at Tertia time, so we were able to get on that once it dropped. And then uh, Brandon Cooks had a light groin thing that kept him out uh, yesterday. He was a go today. Mark Barron's been held out because he's coming back from various injuries in 2017, but should be ready to go for training camp. And that's about it. So as, as long as Okoronkwo is ready to go, and by all reports, he'll be able to go somewhere in the middle of training camp, if not early on. Um, really the only long-term injury is Morgan Fox. So as somber as that segue was, the Rams continue to be one of the healthiest teams in the league and uh, all good stuff on the injury front. What else besides injuries intrigues you guys from the, the bevy of important highlights that OTAs represents? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the, the thing that kind of piqued my interest was when Cooper, they announced just go to the, just say it. When they announced the Morgan Fox injury, you know, they, they talked about the, uh, that hit their, outside linebacker depth and yeah. I think Sosa said it best when finding out that they're playing they're working Morgan Fox at outside linebacker tells you all you need to know about their yeah. their their outside linebacker depth because I'm not sure what the heck they're thinking there but I was already not feeling it with uh with Nadia Longacre but now uh Morgan sure. Fox over there as well it's uh and now Lawler's over there it's uh Justin Lawler seventh round <clears throat> rookie now that Oka Rock right. was out that's who they're going that's, to that's a little interesting. So that's that's probably the the position of the summer to watch, right? Because right now they just have be yeah Samson Samson Ebukam and that's it, right? Manny Lundgren maybe, but that's that's a spot to watch. That's that's the one that caught my interest up because we're, we're good in the back end, we're good in the middle right there, but that that edge. That's I mean, are you gonna be surprised if they're bringing someone like a Connor Barwin or? Junior Gallette sure. in, who's been begging that, basically begging the Rams on Twitter to, to sign him, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle of the summer. I think I it's interesting be. that. Okay. I think it's interesting that that Rams wire was talking about, you know, um, Ogoranquo was essentially, you know, was was anointed as being like the backup. Like they were like, wow, this is a huge setback for him because he was going to go in their strong. And I was like, wow, like we're putting a lot of faith in this fifth round pick, and. Now, you know, we have Justin Lawler, who's the last pick of the draft for the Rams, but their last pick. Right. And, you know, it's an interesting guy because he kind of feels like the type of guy, like last year, was it Sam Rogers, who was like the first dude on the grass in training camp, that you're just like, okay, this is the hustle guy. This is, you know, that that phrase, like the try-hard guy, which I love, you know. He's like like a root. Right, right. you know, the, you can't count on Rudy to start in the wild card game of the playoffs, and it kind of feels like we're put, we're putting a lot of a, a lot of hope in these in these seventh round, you know, eighth, eighth round picks that I kind of feel like there's a lot of dudes that uh, we drafted in this draft, and I kind of feel like I I don't really want to put a, put a lot of faith in. But I was watching Justin sure. Law, and you have to like him, and you have to like the fact that. You know, he's long and he has this motor. And I think any time you have a guy that comes out already, like, 
being young and just is strong. Like that's kind of sure. That's great. You're like, okay, perfect. But what he doesn't have, what you kind of need as an edge rusher, is that elite athleticism, and yeah. you can't teach that. So, well, not I, only I mean, that's going to be his downfall, and probably you know why I, I don't think he's going to get a you know a starting position job, but. Not only right. edge rusher, but how about his responsibilities out uh, covering backs and tight ends? I mean, sure. people like to bag on what Connor Barwood did not do last year, but if you remember the, <laughs> one of the biggest plays of the year is when they, they, you know, they finally had that big stop uh, against the Titans that secured their, their division championship. Who was out there to make that tackle on the, you know, on the boundary? It was, it was Barwin. And I'm not sure you're going to get a slower, non-athletic guy out there against the back and make that same kind of play. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, but that's that's kind of where it's, I mean, there's there's more than just rushing the pass or to stake with this outside linebacker situation. That is one of the things I like about OTAs is it's it's the period when everybody can just throw ridiculous expectations at guys that don't deserve them. And I'm not saying I don't like Justin Lawler. I'm intrigued by him. Connor Barwin was a second-round pick in the 2009 NFL draft. He played in the NFL for nine seasons. He went to the Pro Bowl. He has numerous NFL accolades to his name. I guarantee you, if you ask people who they would rather have on the Rams right now as their starting outside linebacker, it'd probably be 90% to 10. They'd pick Justin Lawler. They'd be like, yeah, oh, this guy's ready to go. He's got all the upside. Ah, It's one of those things. That's what OTAs brings. It's kind of the renewal of uh, all the hope uh, for every single guy. What's interesting is, and this is one of those things why, when I've been posting these OTA live threads, I'm kind of pulling back on going too big on the idea that Lawler's getting the snaps with the ones is that a lot of those starting defensive drills, they don't go against starting offense. You've got the starting offense going against the second or even scout team defense starting defense against the second or third string uh, offense. So that it's not necessarily the idea that Justin Lawler as an outside linebacker is dealing with Rob Havenstein or, you know, Jamon Brown working on starting linemen, so I, I don't know the sincerity of giving him those snaps, but the, the, the important thing is it doesn't really matter right now because it's May. We got uh, four more OTAs coming next week. Uh, the following week we'll get into the optional mandatory minicamp, and I feel like every time I say that somebody comes around and asks me, what is an optional mandatory minicamp? So the collective bargaining agreement allows for one minicamp uh, after OTAs. It is optional. You don't have to hold it. Every team does. The only team historically that hasn't since the CBA was signed, which whichever team that Jeff Fisher was coaching, and we'll get to dear leader in a minute, um, <laughs> for whatever reason, Jeff Fisher did not feel that it was a necessary practice session. And when he coached the uh, St. Louis and Los Angeles Rams, opted not to have it. Every other team does. Sean McVay, since he's been made head coach, has opted to hold it. And if you decide to hold this optional minicamp, uh, attendance is mandatory. So we'll see everybody there. Um, that should include Aaron Donald, who's been a holdout at OTAs. He was there last year at minicamp. So we'll get to see AD back in the building, though I Whoa. think we all agree he doesn't need can it. I, can I put, pump the brakes on that one? Is, yes. If he does not appear at the optional mandatory minicamp, does that affect his uh, service uh, time? Or is that only it does for not. The so the, the service time is only right. tied to the deadline for showing up at training camp. That's August so 7th. Are it you betting that uh, he's going to show up for this optional mandatory camp? I'm betting he's going to show up because unlike avoiding OTAs where he doesn't face a financial penalty, 
not showing up to the optional mandatory <laughs> mini camp, uh, that's dollars out of your wallet. And as soon as you start taking dollars out, people tend to show up. Is that the but one he showed up to I, last year and just did it? It was like, the one he showed up to last year, but he yeah, he was just working goals. on. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not All one of those things where you've got to go out and really – if you're Aaron Donald, you don't have to go up against the scout team and show that you're ready to play. You just have to show up. If, if practice wait. starts at 8 a.m., show up at 8 a.m., and you can get on the stationary bike for four hours or whatever, or whatever they ask you to do, and you can sit out and then get back into your holdout and hold out through August 6th. But I think it's on August 7th. He has to be at training camp in order to get that accrued year of service. Is there anything that's, else on the? That's the one. The, yeah, it's a big one. Before we get to some of this silly stuff, is there anything off-season wise you guys think we need to hit? Any depth chart? I know Joey, you said you had some key research. You had gone to a local library, I think you said, and really gone into the <laughs> reference section and dug in deep. Was there anything off-season wise you wanted to touch on? Well, you know, I think there's there's two guys that I I'm really sort of want, want to watch and see how they're they're playing this off season, and I, I'm worried about the middle linebacker probably more than outside because, you know, mm-hmm. you're reading the stuff about how Corey Littleton is going to be the guy. Like it seems like the team has a lot of faith. Early on, it seems like Lesney really likes how he's progressing, and you know, th- this is a guy who. It almost sounds like he was doing what Alec Ogletree is doing in the sense sure. that he's going to have the green stick on his helmet, and he's going to be he's going to be like the guy, like in, in like mic'd up. And I'm excited about this. I mean, this could be really cool. But you know, he he had he had to, he had a great game, and he he seems like he can. Um, really, you know, rush and, and, and get the passer, I think it's going to be his open field tackling, which was a big problem that we had with Ogletree last year, which he was just mm-hmm. missing all those tackles. It seems like we might be getting an upgrade with Little with Littleton doing that sort of um that work there, like, you know, uh, you know, just getting to the second level and, 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 and getting the running back. I, I really want to see if, if he can handle that. And also, just going back to this this injury thing, especially anytime you say the word Achilles connected to Mark Barron, I start kind of thinking like, mm. okay, well, you know, that could be a small thing, but I mean, you just don't mess around with an Achilles. And then when you look at the depth behind him, you start getting guys where you're like, okay, we got Micah Kaiser going on, you know, like it's it's it just feels like there's a lot of question marks, and it doesn't seem like the Rams aren't worried about it or they just can't afford to bring anybody Maybe. else in. And that's probably the, uh, the, the, the biggest answer to, to just the whole, you know, issue of what's going on with the, with the linebackers, especially the middle linebackers. So, I mean, hopefully we can just put a bunch of tape around Mark Barron. He's going to be okay through the season. And Corey Littleton steps up and he, and he's, and he's the man. I mean, that'd be great, but it feels a little bit like wishful thinking. And just the other one that I've, uh, I'm really watching is uh, Gerald Everett. I want to see how he's going to be with his blocking. Love and yeah. I love how he can get, he can, you know, he can get these huge, these huge plays and he can get open. He can get these, you know, he's just this big dude and he can get up and get the ball. But if, if, if he can really play like a legit tight end and really get that blocking down, it's going to be awesome. But I think, you know, he just has, he has this big step he needs to make in this offseason. 
And I think he needs to just really leap over Tyler Higby and just kind of show that, like, he is the the number one tight end on the team. So hopefully he can do that. Don't sell uh, T-Mac short. Well, hey, let's see. Let's see. Right. I would. I wouldn't every count time, anything. Every, if Tamir Hemingway comes up, the guy he kind of loves him. It's, I know. I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, here's what I'd say: is there's plenty of opportunity. Even as good as the top of the roster is, we know the top of the roster is phenomenal. Uh, uh, pretty much everywhere except linebacker and maybe tight end. The backup spots. I don't know that there's a single backup spot that's locked in. So even when we talk about tight end, I know obviously we're we're hoping for Gerald Everett to take the next step. I don't know. I, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know that this Mary Hemingway can't come back and outplay Tyler Higby for the second tight end spot. It's not necessarily because I'm so huge on Tamaric Hemingway. I like the guy personally, but I don't know that anything is set in stone for all of these backups. If only because the starters right. are so good that, that what I could see, and this is where I think it might be interesting for the linebackers is it's not necessary. And especially because we moved on from Alec Ogletree, when you talk about a guy like Corey Littleton, we may not need specialists, in terms of overall skill set for a lot of these positions, they may be specialists in terms of specific roles. They may be looking for a linebacker who can do one thing and do it really well. That's all they need. It doesn't matter if the guy can do all three, four, five, six things that they would normally ask the position to do. They may Wade Phillips may go, look, I need a guy that in a sub package on third down, he do X. And if you can do that, I wouldn't be surprised if it's T gray scales or, Hey, insert Wilson? name here. Sir, somebody that, yeah, you know, so Bryce Hager. Micah Kaiser. Uh, Micah Kaiser, or, or anybody even deeper that can find. Re- remember, Johnny Munt made the roster last year as a tight end. I think that's <laughs> the kind of thing that a lot of these guys are going to be looking at and saying, look, there's room on the back end of this 53-man roster if you can do one thing really well for your position and if you can offer something for special teams. Uh, I have a thought before we close up OTA chat. Uh, it might not be a popular one, but you know we're TST and we don't we don't do popular. My favorite kind, I love it. Uh, what do you guys feel that the people covering the Rams and the Rams more specifically are falsely pumping up what Jared Goff is doing in the mini camps and OTAs? It feels, yeah. and I've had a conversation with a couple of people who's been out there on the in the DM, so we keep it down low uh, sure. that he is he has struggled, and they are. They are falsely <laughs> pumping up what he's done so far. I was told the other day uh, they came out and they were talking about how great it was, and they let, they let the show the bomb to Cooks, which is great. He's going against threes. He shouldn't be burning people. He's not mm-hmm. going against uh, the ones, that Los Lock, Angeles uh, secondary. So he should be killing these guys. But Troy Hill picked him twice. Um, he had three picks in the day, and they, mm-hmm. you know you come out in the afternoon, and it's – Boy, Goff is looking great. He's, you know, he's sure. he's really locked in. I mean, he might be fine. He'd probably be fine. But it's May, and do you need to falsely pump this up? What, I mean, what are they doing with uh, with their coverage of of Jared Goff? Is it, you know, we're just gonna go full? Why not be honest? If he struggled, talk about him sure. struggling. I haven't seen that this summer, but there is someone out there who was out at every OTA, well, and he is uh, he's wondering about the same thing. Here's what I'd throw you is, when, when have you ever seen that, right? And I, it's a fair criticism, but I don't know that it's specific to Goff or the current media scrum around the Rams. When have, when have you ever seen somebody at OTA say, this quarterback's not looking good? You know, Christian Ponder looked good 
at OTAs. Blake Bortles looks good at OTAs. I guarantee you somewhere out there, there's somebody saying Blake Bortles is looking great at OTAs. He's been working hard. And to, and to that point, to be honest, this is not just an L.A. Rams thing. This is on the league yeah, because exactly. this morning the big news was that Kirk Cousins can throw a spiral in, in, in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That? He yep. throws that beautiful spiral. Kirk Cousins spiral. can throw a spiral, which makes me think, what the hell was Case Kidd in the last year when he took him to the championship, the NFC love championship that game? spiral. Oh, boy, that spiral is so tight. I love it. it it's like yeah. – it, it, they tasted sugar for the first time. We got a spiral. Look at that spiral. Yeah. So, again, yeah, it's not you just, bring up an interesting the Rams, point. But since Rams are a team, it's, it's kind of the point yeah. that I was like, well, what's going on here? Sure. Go ahead, Joey. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, you, you brought up Minnesota, and it, it, it's, it's kind of about the sports media. It's, it's the way they treat it. This isn't where, like, New York and Boston, they get fanatical and they panic and, if, if a player's not doing well, you know, they're just constantly on talk radio going, like, you know, freaking out about it. And I think the way L.A. sports media works, especially when you've got like, you know, Kobe or, or any of these big stars, is that they love to pump them up. Because I think that's the culture here is that you want the players to just become these sort of, um, you know, sparkling, just, you know, can't do anything wrong, and, and you, you always right. want to build them up rather than tear them down. It's just part of the, I think, um, just in the bones of the DNA, just like the way Southern California works. I think a guy like Goff is, you know, they, 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 they're optimistic. They want, it, they want to see the best sure. of them. So they're more easily, uh, or it's just easier to kind of uh, look away when he has like a throw that looks terrible because you're like, okay, cool. And, and you know, we talk a lot of, uh, you know, Rams fans, at different events, even at the games, pretty they're, they're pretty optimistic that they're they're not panicky um, like other fan bases, and I and I and I think with with Jared Goff, it's he's going to have a lot a long leash as far as you know w- w- when he struggles. You don't have a big name backup that is going to be um, <laughs> calling his name. It's not like you're going to get a guy like Tebow that they're going to be calling you know if he has a couple bad throws, and so. I think that's I the think only that's person calling that shot that was Eric Dickerson. <laughs> exactly. Rude. And I think he's I think he's over that too, you know. And um, I think I think that is the scary thing with Goff though is that he doesn't he, he's he, you know like a lot of young quarterbacks there's just some inconsistency there and I think it's that accuracy that kind of makes you worry a little bit. You're like, oh, we're kind of really sort of we need this guy to produce, and when he makes these throws that don't look like a top-tier quarterback, you're like, man, we gave up so much for this guy, and is he the guy? So, yeah, it's scary. You know, we could talk about, you know, linebacker and stuff, but, like, it's, it's a lot depends on, on how golf plays in the next couple of years. The interesting thing to me is just that it's OT. It, it, here's the thing. It, it, it would be another thing if Jared Goff didn't have the season he just had. Um, and I've, read, I've written about this a lot, and we talked about it on the last episode of Trisha Radio was just the idea that, this was setting up to be a referendum year on Jared Goff, that 2018 was going to be about a year where the Rams were coming off a loss in the wild card round. Was Jared Goff going to turn into the kind of quarterback that could single-handedly get us over that hump? And now I don't know that he needs to be because they've gone out and they've gotten Indomitian Sue and Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters and Brandon Cooks, and they've restaffed uh, some positions with the draft, and maybe it's not the kind of referendum year that it was lining up to be. Um, what I guess is going to be interesting is, less so OTAs and more so 
you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, because now he's going in last year when you're coming off a four and 12 season where you went zero and seven coming out of Jeff Fisher's offense. Nobody was expecting Jared Goff to have the first month of the year that he did last year. This year, he doesn't have time to grow. He doesn't have time to kind of, you know, adapt and adjust. And, and it, you know, that's one of the trappings of success. But I, I just find it interesting that he's got to come out. I mean, the Rams, you're starting on national television. Uh, obviously, the narrative is going to be John Gruden and Sean McVay. But as soon as the game starts, it's going to be about yeah, Jared Goff. True. That's Monday Night Football. And they're on the road in Oakland needing to get a win because if think about all the hype that's going into this team if you lose that game think about think about what happens to that hype as soon as you as soon as that yep. game finishes you, i'm not saying this must win i'm not putting those kind of labels but you, you need to go in there and get a performance and get a win out of that and make sure that when you come home for a three-game stand that you're not already behind the uh, the wrong side of 500 and it could come down to jerry Goff. i just find it fascinating that 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 for all the it, it is what it is for all the moves that we made in the off season that's taken the spotlight it's going to take the spotlight but otherwise that spotlight was going to be on Jared Goff and maybe that's one of the after effects of that Robbo is that uh, it's absolved him of maybe some of that criticism or attention and, and kind of the spotlight that uh, he might have otherwise had in OTAs albeit uh, the fact that it's OTAs and I don't know that that's uh, Completely That's fair. Necessarily and, the right place to pay. and it is OTAs. It's not training camp where you've got you know, a couple yeah. thousand people out there watching them, you know, yep. either be great or struggle, whatever. It's OTAs. It's closed. The only people who are seeing this are, are REMS employees, you know, writers and uh, season ticket holders. So season ticket holders, which we have plenty, many of them first of time. times that we've gotten some internal scouting reports that will not be made external. Thanks for the access Rams PR on to the next topic. On to the next topic. This one's a fun one because it's not really about the NFL and it's not really about the Rams. And I find it fascinating. This one's about the Philadelphia 76ers and Brian Colangelo. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Of the week. It's special. So I don't know if everybody has heard. Uh, Brian Colangelo is the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers. He's got, also got some alternate title. I don't, it's like Kevin Demoff. He's got one of those things where he's got five different titles within the team structure. He's the general manager. That's what really matters. Uh, what also matters is that apparently, if you believe reports, and uh, we're going to have to wait like Bob Mueller to get to the bottom of this. It's going to be a special counsel that's required <laughs> to get to the bottom of this information is that apparently Brian Colangelo has a lot of burner accounts that he uses to do a lot of petty shit. Um, I don't know where to start with this one, but I want to start it because I like it. Where do y'all want to go with it? I think you started Well, right I think it's one of the most interesting investigative sports stories that, that kind of happen. Anytime that someone gets on the Internet and they start tracking Twitter accounts and they compare the followers and, you know, like, oh, I find these connections. I mean, they're getting the corkboard with the red string. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. And I think this one unspooled in front of people's eyes a couple of days ago. And what's kind of great about it is that Colangelo has so much – it seems like there's so much arrogance going on. Oh, he's sure. just really kind of caught. Because even if it's his wife, right? Like now, like was it yesterday or the day before, they did the last two numbers of the phone number, and that is his wife's cell phone, and maybe she's the one behind it or she was using her phone. Whatever it is, I don't think he can get through this. I think he's, I think he's toast, and especially because the Sixer fans – 
so much of them love Sam Henke before him, and he sure. seems to be bristling anytime people talk about trust the process and all that sort of stuff. So it seems like before even this happened, you could tell that he just wasn't sitting there with his with his job, you know. And he made that trade with the Celtics for um, the number one pick, getting getting Fultz, and then all the weird stuff that happened this season. It's, as great of a season that the Sixers had, some weird decisions and some weird stuff happened during the season. And a lot of that, I think, came from the general manager, especially the way he just handled the whole injury with Marco Fultz. And, right. you know, there's a Washington guy, Robbo. And I, and I, I think that this is going I, – I just don't see how you can recover from something like this because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the, the stars, the players, you know, the fans. It's just – this is – the absolute opposite of what you want out of your general manager. But uh, I would say this, it's, it's everything you want in somebody else's general manager. Cause it's good. <laughs> we don't want to, we don't want to let Steve's yeah. burner account getting out there, but I'm okay with 76 to burner account because it's yeah. and the stuff he was doing, you know, if you don't, if you haven't followed the story, uh, these burner it's accounts petty, were criti- it's criticizing petty. current players, uh, releasing, releasing, uh, medical information that was not public. Uh, Defending his shirt collar. Defending yeah. oh, his gosh. shirt collar. <laughs> so, As a normal so shirt collar, get a new slant. <laughs> uh, someone else had actually done some digging on this. They started going even deeper after this came out. Like a, you know, just some random guy on Twitter started tracking it down and, and found, you know, this burner account making comments on, you know, on, on like PST and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. More petty crap. Uh, it's it's fascinating. It's 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 my favorite thing about going this week. It's, I love it. This crazy burn. Kevin Durant had the 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 mishap with his burner account. This isn't the first yeah. time, yeah. and I'm glad it's like we just said. It's someone else's team. It's not our team, so it's fun, and it's uh it, it's okay. But uh, you know, I have a burner account. Oh, I, I, there's a there's an account true? I use when I want to uh, you know, upset the apple cart with some of our TST staff members like Bait and, and B Mule if I want to go after Brandon them a little bit. <clears throat> if I you know, want to give these guys a hard time, I can't go, you know, use my own account because they'll know. So I need, I need to go into cover. Uh, if I want to go after 49er fans or if I want to talk uniforms. Um, and then, to, you know, to cover it up, I, I kind of started a, a fight with myself on Twitter with this burner account. Just to kind oh, of, you know, I'm so, listening. So uh, my, my burner account is known as at uh, Crenshaw Rams. <laughs> so you know, I'm out there. Uh, if you know, if I need to drop something that's not really Robbo like, I, I jump on old Crenshaw and uh, and I'll, I'll I'll tweet about how much I hit 49er fans and that and talk uniforms and then I'll trash uh, trash bait and start fights with TST staff members. I get people blocked uh, by Wade Phillips because that's just what I do. Uh, so that's my burner account, old Crenshaw. Actually, uh, yeah, that's and, like therapy for yourself. You're fighting your own. I love it. I, you know, I had to dig deep and go go there, but uh, you know, you I actually really work it out. Yeah, my boy, my boy, my boy Ross. If, you, if you're on Twitter, that's uh, make, sure, make sure you follow that account as well because you get good stuff coming from both sides. I love the internet. Uh, so I've got three observations. And number one, I do like the fact for all the petty stuff that Colangelo did with his burner account. The best one is the collar because it shows that he had time. Like initially, yeah, the burner account idea was like professional, but then it was like, you know what? I can get some personal stuff done too. I need, I need to use this. I need to, I need to cross this line to make sure that this isn't just Colangelo, the Sixers manager. This is Colangelo, the man that I need to defend here. And we need to employ these. Uh, secondly, I, I, when Joey 
mentioned the idea of the cork board with the red string tied between them. This is one of those wonderful conspiracy theories that should have been around before it got disclosed and reported on. Uh, is Alex Jones losing a step? This is, this is one of those things where maybe he like Infowars <laughs> sports needs to be a thing. Uh, and this would have been right in their yeah. wheelhouse. They could have championed this. And I'm a little disappointed that uh, Paul Joseph Watson wasn't on this first. The last thing I'll say, and I'll throw this out to you guys, is who in the Rams staff, uh, primarily in the front office, would have a burner account? Do you think – who's the most likely? Rams owner Stan Kroenke, Rams vice president Kevin Demoff, Rams special assistant Tony Pastores. I'm trying not to let my bias show here. Rams general manager Les Snead uh, or Les Snead's wife. Who do you think? Who do you think could, is could most likely one? to have a go ahead? Artists. Our boy Artis. Artis would be Artis Twyman, the head the of uh, the man, communication. Artis doesn't need to have a burner account because he has his own account. He doesn't tweet much. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, uh, go ahead, Joey. What do you think? Who's who's the most likely to have a burner well, account? Well, I definitely for the don't think. I I do not think it's a guy like Les Snead or his wife. He's just too Manhattan Beach. I think he's. You know, it's just well, he's just like a bro with his visor. I just don't think he's really gonna get into doesn't even you care. know getting getting on Twitter that much. I just I just feel like he's just too mellow for that. I think it's it's somebody like Kevin Demoff who feels like he's just such a suit, and I could just see him really curious, like what other people think of him, and searching his name and seeing what people are tweeting about him and the way the front office is managing. And I can maybe see him doing some PR stuff of. Of saying, oh, Kevin Demoff's doing some really fun stuff with the Rams organization. This blue and white color scheme really catching on, you know. Like I, I kind of, I could see that. Probably not though. I mean, who knows? Is this is this something that's happening more than? Is this an isolated event with Coangelo, or do you think each There's sport no has way. a handful There's of no Coangelos going on? A handful. Right? Oh, keep going, keep going. What's what's more than a baker's dozen? A racist dozen. The rate that <laughs> what is what is two bakers dozen whatever that is this this has got to be rampant. There's a think about it. Less need. Or am I supposed to really believe that Less Need doesn't have any social media? Uh, I think he right. his wife does. I think his wife runs his burner account, and he doesn't even know it. I, almost. Right? I'm I'm Kara, not sure Kara that Savage. his wife exists. I might bet that Kara Henderson, as a human, is his burner account. He might have made up an entire story. About getting married. This is this is that you saw Silicon Valley. You saw that robot Rob. I'm not willing <laughs> to buy it, man. Maybe it's my cynicism. Maybe I'm maybe I'm hesitant, skeptical for a good reason. I don't know. He's got his it's he's got his own little X Machina thing going on, right? X Machina, yeah. You got you come not gonna, on, man. Yeah. It's 2018. You got. I'm not I'm not willing to buy any of it. Westworld season two. You, you're not tricking me. That's what I'm going to say. Here's, here's what I'd say. Here's the main reason I could buy the idea. I, I was leading into the idea that might be Tony Pastors, and here's why. This is somebody who, from accounts that I trust, has been involved with contract negotiations since from years ago. Um, this is a franchise that uh, gave a contract extension to Tavon Austin after three professional seasons. There's a contract. Uh, there's a, a franchise that gave a contract extension to Alec Ogletree. Uh, for tens of millions of dollars and then traded him less than six months later. This is an organization that has not given a contract extension to Aaron Donald, did not want to pay Trumaine Johnson or Sammy Watkins, did not want to pay anybody else in the secondary, a la Janoris Jenkins, 
Ronnie McLeod, TJ McDonald. What were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, or, or Janora Stone. Janora's hanging. Jack Rabbit. They, they, there have been many talented players that they did not play. There were less than incredibly talented players that they did pay. Tony Pastors is involved with that, and I'm not sure that he exists. And I know we just kind of broke that <laughs> ground with the last section. He, here's why I think Tony Pastors might have burner counts. I think that might be his job. I think his entire job might just be to have burner accounts for Kevin Demoff on all social media, for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever Jin Yang's got going on in China, all of it. That his job is just to be a social media intelligence agent for Demoff. That's my theory. I'm throwing that out there. There's one. I don't know who it is, but there's one in that front office. There's someone there whose whose job is to Guaranteed. is to to run that covert shit. Um, they've been. It's not a new. It's nothing new. They've been doing this since the St. Louis days, right? They they're out there. Uh, you know, without a doubt, I have no, I have zero doubts that they were. They've been doing this for a couple of years. Uh, you know, to to work it in their favor. So Discord, they were. Uh, well, Ramhart is someone's burner account because he's going Ooh. after everyone early, right? I like it. Uh, my, my boy Ramhart is out there. Maybe maybe he's a burner account and uh, talking uniforms and all the, all this good stuff and, and going for St. Louis and, and the media there pre pre move and now that the move is done, I was just laying back and kind of taking shots at Charger fans. Uh, I think Ramhart's a burner account. That's Will Ram Wallace Ram getting a shout out as a burner account? I like it. I like it. And you know what? Yeah. This is this is kind of connected to that. And I was just kind of I wanted to bring this up a little quick. You, we talk about the front office and, and and what they, you know, what they're like known as, what their reputation is. And it seems like one thing they're kind of known for is really loving this franchise tag. You know, sure. just the fact that they did it with, uh, you know, Tremaine for two years, and then they did it for um, Lamarcus you know, Joyner this year with Lamarcus Joyner, and yep. it feels to me like. There's a bit of just like a dick move to the whole concept of the franchise. Tag. Sure. And it's obviously, you know, it's a thing you could totally do. And I'm, and I'm not saying it's, you know, you shouldn't do it, but it just seems like the Rams really love the franchise tag. And it seems like they're sitting there going, what if we can just franchise tag Aaron Donald for two sure. years and, you know, he's going to be 30 years old or whatever. He's 27 now. And he's not even, you know, this is just how, how they could think. And it just feels like, as a fan, it's like, no, dude, give him the big contract and let's, you know, let's keep him. And they're kind of almost not being greedy, but just trying to be sneaky with the rules that are perfectly above board. But there's something Absolutely. about it that just makes you kind of go, are these guys jerks? Well, and that's what you know? the, uh, Joey O'Coin hashtag jerks. Um, that's one of the things that's starting to get talked about a lot in national circles. I know a uh, fan of the site, Danny Kelly, who used to run field goals, the SB Nation uh, Seattle Seahawks site, who's now with The Ringer, um, was yep. on a podcast recently with Robert Mays. They were going over the Aaron Donald's contract, talked about the th- idea that they're talking to people, they're hearing people around the league ask the, the, the precipice, the weird dichotomy between paying Aaron Donald because he deserves it and the exorbitant cost that that would require and franchise tagging him for the next two years, because that saves you money, right? The Rams paid Aaron Donald less than 2 million last year. They're going to pay him less than 7 million this year. They could tag him for the next two years and both years would be less than what he would warrant on the market. Oh, by uh, $10 million. 
Sure. And so on one hand, it's smart business sense. You get to save over the next two years. I got to look at the numbers again, but it's something like $16 million between uh, 2019 plus 2020. You would save $16 million the way that they just saved about 30 the last two years. Why wouldn't you do that as a business? On the other hand, what does that say to every other player if, if you're coming into the NFL and you see that the Rams are an organization that's willing to pay Tavon Austin and not willing to pay Aaron Donald? The, the, the main message that tells you is if you go there, you don't necessarily want to be good. Because if you're a good player, that's not the organization that's going to reward you. They've shown that with the secondary. They've obviously shown that with uh, other guys, and now they're showing that with Aaron Donald. I don't know. This, uh, it's not a great conversation because the more that it goes on, the less likely, I guess, by day, at least in terms of the time available to get him on the new deal, that it's less likely. Um, but it doesn't make a, me feel good. Make me feel good, Rob. Come on, man. Just a, no, I'm not going to make you feel good with this. Just to tag on to that thought is that oh. uh, you know, they pay Tavon, but they won't pay someone else. For all of you out there listening and thinking, well, that was Jeff Fisher. No, it wasn't. We mentioned earlier they paid no, Alec Ogletree eight months ago. Jeff Fisher Jeff was Fisher long gone. So that's not just a Jeff Fisher thing. That's that's something going on with the Rams. That's, what, that's why do people think it was Jeff Fisher? What, what evidence, what reporting do people have to, to think that Jeff Fisher was involved in contract negotiations? Jeff Fisher was the problem for everything with Rams fans. Is it, it, was if he just so – Taco Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday, it was Jeff Fisher's fault. I mean, and did the and the king, you know, deserves a lot of that criticism. But you can't you can't lump all this stuff at his feet because they're still doing this with him gone. So uh, it's it's a Rams uh, system thing. That, that's definitely it's and it's a valid question. It's one that people haven't asked. Are they going to pay did, Todd Gurley, a running back who's easier to replace than Aaron Donald, not pay Aaron Donald, the guy who's hard to replace? Uh, we'll find out here pretty quick. It's it's going to be an interesting time over the next couple of years to see. Is, is Jeff Fisher the reason we don't? Ago. Yeah, is Jeff Fisher the reason we don't have single payer health care? I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know that's true. I, just, I haven't seen any reports, but I'm just, uh, <laughs> that was probably a decent. I mean, it had to be like you know. Can we say that he is it connected to global warming? I mean, what would happen if Jeff Fisher ran for Senate in Montana? I think he'd have a good shot. I'd work for his campaign. I, we hold on. We got That'll Jeff Fisher. Let's not go there. Let's not go there yet. Cause, we got Jeff Fisher on the docket. I want to get to that in more depth. We do have something up first, I guess, more serious. It depends on how serious we want to take it tonight. How do we want to do the, the new protest policy? Um, it's going to be a big deal. It's probably going to be the biggest story for week one. remember Joey. Joey, uh, explain your feelings on the protest policy by mo- by sigh only. <laughs> what was it we did? Something like that where you had to just, uh. Yeah, it's just like, uh. uh oh, God. Uh, okay. I don't know, man. I don't know where to go with this. I just know that it's something we need to talk about. I guess what. What, what would you have uh, wanted can I, can the NFL to do? What can they do? What do you think? Well, it's very interesting that we just brought up the whole thing of Eric Donald because I think it's, a, it's connected a little bit because it comes down to the idea of do these you know, organizations that does the league and the owners really care about the players as people? Sure. And sure. if you compare it to other leagues – it seems like they don't, and I feel, yeah, I was, it feels I was like say, there's a pretty obvious answer. I think that's an obvious answer, Joey. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's becoming, you know, just blatantly obvious, and it's it's almost yeah. kind of offensive, especially with this 
um, with this new rule because, you know, they say, oh, you could protest in the locker room. And that right there, <laughs> that, that idea of just you can have a personality, just don't show it to anybody is essentially what they're saying, I think is going to shoot them in the dick. And, and, and I've seen, you know, there's even headlines <laughs> where, like, the NFL shot themselves in the dick. Might already be. And, sure, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and talking about just the same race for, for Los Angeles, because you've got these two teams in the battle, you know, fight for L.A., and, and, and they're trying to get eyeballs that are looking even at the Kings, you know, the Dodgers and the Lakers and the fucking Clippers. You have sure. people just, you know, this progressive city, and they're now like kind of like looking at this issue, and it's kind of gross. And you know, you see a lot of a lot of people that were just like, "Yeah, cool, the NFL." Now they're just like, "I don't know, man." Like my wife doesn't want me to watch the NFL anymore, and I'm gonna watch it, but now I have to watch it, you know, by myself. And you're starting to just get a lot of this this kind of feeling of, "Am I on the wrong side of history?" Following these, you know, these owners because. Yeah, the players are, you know, you can't, you can't blame the, the players. This, the narrative got changed, and it got changed by Donald Trump, and it got changed by um, the right, with this, this political thing, and it just happened. And the argument that they were making is completely lost, and now it's all about disrespecting the flag or the anthem. Sure. It becomes this military thing, and that's not what it was about. But the, just the argument got shifted, and we all have to just – acknowledge that in the way that you you know you're reading about these these stories about these owners how they just got strong-armed this week and how right. trump came in and was 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 told and jerry jones yeah. that he wasn't going to let this go mm-hmm. that you know it was going to be a thing where if they didn't make this rule that this thing was only going to get bigger even though the issue itself was kind of dying out a little bit it wasn't well, it wasn't you know, a problem, right? Like it was not like uh, every guy was kneeling, you know, it seemed like it was, sure. I don't know. Go ahead. The one, th- the one thing I'd push back about that last part about the idea that it's dying out. I think part of that is because it's may it's, it's dying out because there hasn't been a football game for three and months. It has, hasn't happened. It, yeah. Since January. Yeah. yeah you but, get, but you get to the season. It seemed ahead. like it wasn't as big of a deal as the beginning of the season. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those things where, it's hard to know because we're in the middle of the off season and obviously this doesn't yeah. help, but I don't know. What do you think, Bravo? Uh, well, I see it as two issues. I see it as the NFL wanting to protect their bottom line. That's what no this doubt. is to me. It's like, you know what? It's a money play across the board. They're, you know, as we've talked about, you know, how it's been whipped up by you know, certain groups and made it about something that it really didn't start out to be. Uh, so it's hitting their TV attendance, which is affecting their ad revenue, and it's hitting them at the gate. People are staying home a little bit more. It's hitting them online and social. I mean, they're they're taking a they're taking a beating in that respect across the board. The longer this goes on, the more they're going to take a beating. So then, by by them saying we're not going to see people by doing the locker room, that means we don't have to sit in the field. They're thinking it's going to you know impact their bottom line less. You know, also don't forget right. how long has the uh, U.S. government been paying the NFL to for these fake patriots patriots. Patriotism, sure. in place. millions sure. and millions of dollars. Uh, perhaps that's held over their head. Hey, you don't put. Thank you for that, by the way. That that we're pays taking, certain people's salaries. I just right. We're taking out. this. Thanks. We're taking this money away from you if you don't stop it. So I, I, it's a huge money play across on the NFL side. Sure. Um, and as you mentioned, it's 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 more from what it was. The, the reason why Mr. Uh, 
Mr. Kaepernick took a knee in the first place was it was suggested to him by a, a veteran, Nate Boyer, right. to do that. Sure. You know, don't sit on the bench, take a knee with your teammates, uh, and, and show you the thing that way, you know, as a thing of solidarity. You're still there with them, you're taking a knee. A veteran told him to do this. And so yeah, no it's completely, completely shifted. <laughs> it's a money. My, my point of view, it's a huge, this, we'll do this in the locker room thing. Is that it's, it's about them trying to protect the shield and the brand and Jerry Jones and all these old guys who are used to printing money at will, aren't printing as much, and they need to you know, go back to doing what they've always done, which is just uh, you know, not do what the other leagues. Look at the NBA. Look at how, how the NBA handles all these issues. Completely Despite different. having the same policy that you have to stand for the anthem. Yep, yep, completely different. So it, it's, it's, it's just this old guard protecting their, their wallets. That's kind of where I see it. It's tough because there's so much that I want to be able to say about it now, but it doesn't matter now. It'll matter once we get there because we're going to have yeah. to talk about it anyway for week one. We'll have what, what, nine months of that. Yeah, exactly. It's coming anyway. What I think is the the point for the idea of people boycotting the NFL, kind of the opposite of what Joey was saying that, hey, especially because Joey's in Los Angeles and that's a – What's the right way? That's a specific environment that may be reacting to this policy differently than other parts of the country. What I, what, I, what I would say is that I think there's a sense that the boycotts to the protest are more impactful than the boycotts to the, pro, the new protest policy. In other words, that there's a degree of attention, revenue, ratings, whatever, lost that's greater from allowing protests than there will be by forcing guys not to protest. Uh, what yeah. I will say though, I think a lot of times we overstate how big that impact is because a lot of people that are, and I would say the overwhelming majority, if not the entirety of people who are willing to boycott the NFL over protests are people that weren't necessarily either a watching a lot of football or b spending a lot of money. I think these are the, these are the kind of fans. And here's the thing. We're talking about a podcast right now in May, you know, who's not listening to this people who are willing to boycott the NFL. If you're willing, <laughs> if you're listening to a right. podcast right now, there's no protest. You could, you could have the most offensive protest yep. you can imagine. If you're listening to a podcast in May, you know, damn well, you are watching these games, just like we are that that's the difference. I think what we're talking about is this fungible uh, top 10% or bottom 10%, I guess you could say, of not necessarily casual fans, but just fans who aren't necessarily that important to the bottom line. And if you're talking about 10% versus 0%, you might as well placate the 10%. I think the bigger perspective here is that the NFL is the biggest entertainment conduit in the country, and this is what you get. Right. If you want to be the top dog, if you want to be bigger than the NBA and baseball and soccer and esports, you have to be the sports league that's at the tip of the spear when you talk about culture wars and politics. This is just what you get, man. And I, I, I get it. It sucks. As a lot of times as sports fans, we want to keep politics out of our sports. You can do that if you're hockey. You can do that if you're horse racing. If you're the NFL, nah, dude, you got to you got to be right at the front of it. You just got to figure out how you want to deal with it, but you don't get to avoid it. Stick but, to sports, Joe. You know, Stick if you look sports. at a guy like LeBron LeBron James where he he gets Laura Ingram saying, you know, shut up and dribble the basketball, and everybody's on, not everybody, but 
you know, a, sure. a consensus of, of, of people are just like, oh, man, I'm on LeBron James' side. I want him to speak out. I want him to be this sort of global icon that is, a, you know, influencer to, the, you know, young kids and everything. It doesn't seem like the NFL wants that. They don't want a player right. that's going to function like LeBron James or, or even players before him like Charles Barkley and these larger-than-life guys that – you know, even when they retire, you, you feel like, you know, you, you know them. And I, and, I, and I think the I wish that the NFL was less about the shield and more about the player. Uh, see, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that because I almost, I almost want them to be the counter to that, if only because political winds change. And I don't, I don't know that I want the NFL. Here's the other thing I'll say to make this lighter before we go to our next topic, which is going to be a lot of fun. LeBron James is definitely a host. LeBron James is not a human. That's not a human being. That's not a human being who at 16 years of age is the perf is already the perfect basketball player is anointed. The best basketball player of his entire generation marries his high school. Sweetheart is a perfect human being off the court. That's not a human. Come on, man. That's great. Yep. Yep. It, yeah, Put that know, red it, string it, on the quick. board. <laughs> what, <laughs> you, you talk, what is you're the talking about? Like, True Detective right? yeah. Season 3, me and Joey tracking down who made LeBron in their labs. <laughs> CBA. Exactly. He didn't start working out until right, like in his late 20s. <laughs> the what CBA, say, Rob? When is the CBA up? After twenty uh, after the twenty twenty season, so that'll be the first what else, season. What else happens in twenty twenty? Oh big God! What country. doesn't? What does? See that, that's that, I don't like thinking about this because if so, you were going to pick an apocalypse year, that's the one. Yeah. That's gonna. We might have the same, or we might have a new guy there, and then you can also have a different outlook on who's pushing that message when the new CBA comes up. And I promise you, they're going to be talking about knees in twenty twenty when that. It worked that that CBA. This isn't going to go away that soon. I will That's say this: it's incredibly, yeah. what's the right word? Ridiculous of me. I have thought about this for years. The Roman numeral representing the year 2020 is MMXX. I would pay a lot of money for DMX to release a new album titled MMXX. DMX, if you're listening, and I don't know why you would be listening to a Rams football podcast, but hardcore. please, please, please. Yep. Oh my God! It would be the only. That would be a halftime show for the. Oh my DMX DMX at the Super Bowl. Has there ever been a less likely candidate for the half for an Super Bowl halftime show than DMX? (laughs) Because he probably wouldn't even show up. That's what be the best part. (laughs) Is that the waiting for him? They're like, you know what? He's late. (laughs) Forgot forgot what day it was. Oh, I'll pitch in. I will pitch in more than I've ever pitched in on Kickstarter before. Speaking of Kickstarters, I offered this. I offered up to $2,500 cash to watch the playoff game with Jeff Fisher last year. Instead, I went in person. Me and Rob were there. We had a good yeah. time, and then and the game started. There? I was the, Yep, we had a lot of guys there. Then the game started, and things got worse. Uh, Jeff Fisher uh, had an interview with Sirius XM earlier this week with, uh, who was it, Pat Kirwan? And yes. uh, Jim Miller That's was on there. Yep. Yeah, well, it, you only got so many at that point and talked about the idea that he didn't want to get back into the media because he was uncomfortable covering some of the games of his peers that he maybe didn't have the best relationship. He pointed to guys like Pete Carroll and Bruce Arians. 
um, head coaches of the uh, Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals, respectively, that he might have had some bias in terms of covering. But he also pointed to the idea that he's waiting for a head coaching job, that he's waiting for the opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. Much like the other topics, I don't know where to start on this. There's a lot of things that we could bring up. I don't know what goes first except to say, why? Why would, why would any team – and I don't mean this is to be rude to Jeff Fisher. Why would any team hire him as their head coach? That's, that's the uh... – Mustache. It's the mustache. The mustache. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to is that he looks and sounds like a head coach, right? That's it. He just looks and that's a name that people know. That's the bad advice. He's good in the room. You know, he's a charming guy in the room. I think he he has, like, that feeling when when you're just sitting down across from him. It just seems like you're like, oh, I like this guy. I don't know. (sighs) Maybe maybe that's part of the charm. My thought is that he's – Go ahead, Rob. I think we we must – interpreted what he said. He's holding out for another head coaching job. He didn't say NFL. Mike Marks was just hired as a head coach of the Alliance of American Football. Maybe just holding a spot for the St. Louis franchise of, uh, of, of that league, right? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I think it's the bad advice clip. Someone someone close to him is telling him, you know, you got another shot coming. You get one more. It's going to happen. You just keep holding. Someone's Someone's got to be telling him something. Unless his ego is that big, which you know, it's Jeff Fisher, so it probably is, uh, because he even someone even in that same interview they asked him about, you know, would you maybe go back to the coordinator route and try to work your way back that way? He said, nope, head coach or nothing, baby, is all I'm doing. Uh, that, that, that's the interesting thing right there. Yeah, I mean, look at Wade Phillips. He was fired, came back as a defensive coordinator yep. again, and is the one of the Hall of Fame, is it? Right? Yeah, the guy is fantastic. There are plenty of guys who have come back to the coordinator route and 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 done their. The, Steve Spagnuolo was hired as a coordinator after his failures. At, and right. close to getting a head coaching job, he's going to get yeah. one. He, he just keeps working the system. It's just going to bubble back up. Um, I will say one thing. I will say, you know that Wade Phillips has zero burner accounts because his actual account is his burner account. How many burner accounts does Jeff Fisher have? He's got yeah. If not him, either his son or Brandon. Dave McGinnis. Oh yeah, yeah. man, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. He has to have a Twitter account. account that's that's just about fly fishing. You know, like <laughs> it's just a, a fly fishing aficionado <laughs> Twitter account. And uh, you know, he just talks about a river runs through it the whole time. Um, makes excuses. Makes fun. fly fishing excuses like, no. See, the problem with a bad cast is you have to understand. Look, <laughs> you know. I got this rod five years ago at the time. I thought it was going to be the best, but look, it just didn't work out. Uh, we'll go back. Uh, the, the rod had a bad week. We'll fix it. We're going to look at the tape of the fly fishing rod, and uh, we're going to come back next week uh, ready to go. Which is why he'd be perfect in media. You know what? You would, you'd he, be would. There to talk. he would. He would. He could do that job. Studio, I'm not sure you want him as a game guy, but as a studio guy, he could sit there and yeah. he can be Terry and Jimmy. He's perfect for it. It's, well, uh, he, the has, thing he, I, has, he has the name yeah. for it. He, he kind of, you know, he has that, you know, people know who he is, and that's almost enough for those type of jobs that you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, he he, yeah. he, 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 he took the Titans pretty far, and he kind of, you know, sure. <laughs> I think he just took up space with the Rams. But to me, I think the arrogance of Jeff Fisher is kind of what makes him a bad coach. Because, you know, a good coach, if you look at someone like McVay, 
They know what their flaws are. You know McVay's like, listen, I'm not a defensive guy, so I'm going to bring in Wade Phillips. And Fisher, you know, he has these terrible offensive instincts, but he doesn't let the, you know, an OC cover for him. He doesn't, you know, he didn't, you know, get a hot shot defensive coordinator, but you know what? You handle this. I'm a defensive guy. And I think he thinks that he's the guy that could walk in and coach both sides effectively. And the problem is he's the (laughs) only guy who thinks that. (laughs) And that's why he's perfect for media is a lot of times what's best for media are the interesting – you know who would be horrible for the media? Sean McVay. Sean McVay would be horrible. He want to explain every single little thing like, I don't care. I don't care about that. I want the guy who's going to make things more dynamic. That's why Matt Millen did media. No offense, Robbo. That's why Chip Kelly did media. That's why all these other guys that go into media a lot of times are guys that didn't have success because they're so much better at uh, having an understanding of what's going on and being able to explain that. What, What I think is most interesting about maybe the idea of Jeff Fisher in the media is not the pettiness, but the idea that every so often you know he'd throw an excuse in the middle of there unnecessarily. Like not the way that like, oh, yeah. like not the way that Jay Cutler would like, I love the idea of Jay Cutler in the media. Tony Romo was great last year, but you know that Jeff Fisher would be, you know, doing a game and talking about this play happened, this, whatever. And he just throw out there, by the way, I, I just want to make sure that people understand if you, if you don't have a quarterback that can stay healthy, that's not the head coach's fault. That's not, that's not what it really right. what it's all about. Just want to throw it. Third down and six. Yep, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, he's so good. He should he could do uh, you know specials like silver. You know, I mean, we just go out once a week and interview someone about whatever, absolutely. and they could he could spin yarns about about Vince Young, or then and then start talking about Steve McNair, maybe throw some Eddie George in there. I had this back name. He's talking about and, the knees of Sam in the Bradford. Super Bowl. <laughs> he came back and, and ran over Jeff Sunita for a big touchdown in the Super Bowl. I see that in you. I mean, he could you know, he could talk about his Titans days and how, how glorious they were. And these guys aren't they're going to be so young. They don't even know what the hell he's talking about. So they'll be, they'll buy into it because he's a good he's a good orator. He can speak. He can hold the room. What I really like just, about what they've done with the Seattle Seahawks is that. You know, they had a running back the way we had a running back at Steven Jackson. They went and drafted a guy the way I drafted a guy in Isaiah Pede, replaced him with Daryl Richardson, had an extra guy in Zach Stacy. said, you know what, we got to get more firepower there, went ahead and drafted Trey Mason. Some teams realize that's not enough. I went ahead and got Todd Gurley, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, spent another running back uh, draft pick. That's really what it takes to uh, get your team going as long as you uh, – understand that it's a team game. What do we got here? Second and four. <laughs> and then you follow up on the next I, time about I have how a, I have a you helped your, your, help your Todd Gurley draft pick out by, uh, by drafting an entire offensive line right behind him. And that yeah. always works out. What you got, Joe? I want to hear the story. Well, I, I had a buddy who uh, he lived in Nashville for a long time, and he was a waiter, and he was like a, actually a bartender for a while. He uh, was at this place, and Jeff Fisher came in, just like he was a regular, came in every week. Sat yeah. at the sat at the counter and just ordered a glass of red wine and just sat by himself. And He's a wine guy. Drank two or three glasses of red wine by himself. You know the the staff would kind of look and just like there's something just kind of sad about it. <laughs> there's just something about there's this guy sitting by himself with his big glass of red wine just chugging his cabernet and I just think about that sometimes. You know, like he, he's not a. He's not a, a, a steak and potatoes beer guy. There's a there's a there's a sensitivity to uh, to Jeff Fisher, and, and the intellectual. There's, there's something about though. him that's yeah. 
know, it's something. He's a he's a Southern California guy, and I think um, he is. He, he's he's an enigma, and you know, he's always going to be, um, you know, p- part of part of the lore of the uh, the Los Angeles Rams because he, he was the first coach when they moved out here. You know, a couple seasons ago, yeah. and uh, you know, he's he's a punchline now, and uh, and especially Which it must be humiliating for him yeah. with McVay's yeah. success. Sure. You know, and I, I do so think it's unfair. Awesome. I, do, I do think it's somewhat unfair, like what we were talking about earlier, the idea that people pin things like Tavon's resigning on Jeff Fisher. I don't think that's fair. What I think is interesting, and you mentioned the idea of the media being responsible for the golf pumping, Rob, is that I think that's a function of the media, is that when you don't ask difficult questions, kind of what you're suggesting, that they're not saying the difficult things about Jared Goff, when you don't ask Jeff Fisher the difficult questions, he never answers them. And because he doesn't answer them, what we end up saying as fans and what national media analysts end up saying is just, he sucks. They just put this blanket statement of he's a horrible football coach that lacks the context of why he was a football coach in the first place and what his experience, yep. which is pretty much greater than almost anybody else. Maybe Bill Belichick, Andy Reid. I doubt if they'll look at the numbers, but Jeff Fisher is one of the most experienced head coaches in the NFL in the modern era. He knows some stuff, Maybe he doesn't know what he needs to know to win football games, but he, he knows something. And I think we sweep that under the rug because we don't understand what his, what his job was and what he did. And I find that more a referendum on the media than I do Jeff Fisher. It's also why I want him back in my life. Come back to us, dear leader. We miss you. That's nice. I try. That's a nice thought. Well, that's what I got. That's, we can end on that. We can end on a get well card for Jeff Fisher. <laughs> nice, I want uh, the man to find happiness, you know? I, well, um, I'm pretty he, sure based on what he's been paid over the last two decades, happiness ain't far away. He's got a family. He seems like a very nice person. I don't know that this is the guy that we need. There's a lot of people. Joey, you live in Los Angeles. There are a lot of human beings that deserve a lot of sympathy. And a a lot of empathy out there right now. No offense to Jeff Fisher, I think he's doing okay. Sure, uh, yeah, I, for sure. I just want to know: did he, did he end up putting that uh, that putting green in his place? Yeah, remember the hard knocks. His son cautioned him about making a big purchases. Maybe we need uh, to get Jeff Fisher on a podcast. Get him his own Jeff good. Fisher Montana podcast. I would listen to it I'll every shoot week. A, I'll shoot him a message. Let's make Radio that. Beer, uh, uh, let me make a commitment. I, I offered him $2,500 to go sit with him to watch the playoff game. I ended up spending it to go out with y'all and sit fifth row. I definitely wish I had ended up watching that with Jeff Fisher instead of doing that. But I got to hang out with Rob, which was worth it. That was worth it in the end. I got to see Joey. Joey, didn't, we didn't get to spend enough time together. We'll get it done this year, man. We got to get it done we because played, this year is going to be different. We played Beard, beard Pong. We hung out with different. Uh, we played beard Rams Pong. Empire. We Tommy, uh, L.A. Tommy with his with his uh, Stone Cold oh, Championship man. belt. Tommy's phenomenal. Tommy, Curdy Cordero. Cordero, we had a great oh, time. It was a it was a good day. And and now we're going to we're going to be at the Coliseum. That's going to be like the Death Star. That you know, it's going to be a big portion of it <laughs> under construction. I saw that. I was about eighty so percent done. I was about eighty percent done posting that. I'll get that done after this episode's up. So if you're not listening live, you can probably check uh, Tour Show Times to check out what he's talking about. We're going to have a partially majority constructed stadium to play in this year. It's fitting. It's, it's fitting for the Rams, man. It ties it's into the 
it ties into the news this week that the Rams are playing in the fifth worst stadium in the league. The I love it. Drop them. Will the Death Star Stadium drop them down to fourth or third worst? We'll see. I say put them at the worst. Maybe like Make it the worst. Who cares? Yeah, the team's good. What right. is the worst? Is it is it Oakland? Is that the worst? Uh, I didn't even see. I didn't Probably, even click right? it because I didn't. Re- I, after that, I didn't really even care. Yeah, I didn't. Really I don't either. know. Yeah, I don't know. It's also a referendum on the, uh, you know America that oh this giant ninety five thousand pantheon to humanity a, mo- a literal memorial coliseum a coliseum that has been a spectacle for the Olympics in the second biggest city in the United States that's in fine shape is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know That's part of the charm of Los Angeles America, Wood, I love it 2020. Fixing all those love wrongs it. Well, boys, we got uh, one more week of OTAs, as I mentioned Then we got the optional mandatory minicamp uh, And then we're into the longness So let's get back again together soon uh, Let's talk about life, let's talk about the Rams uh, and let's make another episode of Tertial Radio happen. That sounds like a plan, gents. Have yourselves a good one. Enjoy the summer. Yeah, now that it's unofficially, officially on Go Rams, of course. That's Joey O, Seattle Rams, and your boy 3K. Another episode of Tertial Radio. Be good to each other. We're out. Look, I don't uh, want to make excuses, but, you know, this podcast has moved four times in the last year. Um, we had a couple of co-hosts out tonight. Um, you know, it's one of those things I'm not uh, pleased with where we are right now. Each year, each uh, podcast is different.
um, we've got some uh, content issues, and we're going to have to go back and listen to the tape and figure out what's going on. Uh, as far as the crowd, I can't speak to that. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where we just got to figure out uh, who we are. We're going to go back and, and look at the mistakes we made and uh, try to figure out what we could do better, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to come out next time and uh, make a better podcast. Right now, Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil is $29.99 for a 5-quart jug. Its advanced formula provides maximum sludge protection, defending your engine like a catcher defends home plate. So, get top-notch engine protection with the Mobile One Full Synthetic 5-quart jug for $29.99. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 9-30-18. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.